Well, hello, everyone. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. Uh, and let's just cut right to the chase. Welcome to our wrap-up of our 2015 Tour de France coverage spectacular. I feel like I feel like we've been talking about the tour for a long time. Uh, and, it always and... feels like a crazy long time. It's just three weeks, but it feels... You know, I was looking back at what happened in the beginning of the tour just to, you know, remind myself. And it was like, oh, wow, yeah, that's right. The stage to Zealand and uh, yeah. the whole thing with Tony Martin. Wow, it seems like forever ago, man. Well, it was three. It was a while. And there's a lot, been a lot of racing since. There's a lot of time on Twitter, a lot of articles and cycling news. It takes yeah, a toll on one. Many, many tweets. Well, let me let me just uh, make it clear that this this chattering at me over in Minneapolis is is Matteo, and I'm Greg. Mm-hmm. So that's in case you didn't know who we were. Okay. Hi, Greg. Yes. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Um. How How you doing, man? Good. You You okay? Like everything good? Yeah, I'm good. You? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm good. Right. Just making sure. Sweet. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! So, hey, without further ado, I think we should, uh, just for the benefit of our audience, dive, boom, right into best moments of the 2015 Tour de France. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we've each picked out, I want to say, our, our unranked top three moments. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hey, I'm going gonna, uh, I'm gonna to make you lead off. All right. Do you want to just do them three in a row, or do you want to alternate? We can we can do them three in a row. I think we're going to lose count otherwise. That's true. All right, so I've got, again, unranked, uh, Tony Martin storming to his win on stage four with the cobbles uh, and taking enough time to take the yellow jersey. That was, like, just good racing in the Tour de France. Like, not good racing by Tony Martin, but all-around exciting... Uh, classic-esque exciting attacky stage embedded in the broader context of a grand tour that was awesome and i actually i i'm sneaking i'm or i'm I'm cheating i'm shoving two into one because like the runner-up for this same category is greg van avermet's victory on stage 13 which was just kind of the same thing and in a totally awesome way (laughs) uh the next one that i have for best moments is Steve Cummings' stage 14 win. So I love seeing MTN Kubeka sort of come on up in the bike racing world. I love seeing a tracky blast by those climbers in the final, like, kilometer and a half. He, like, caught them, went right to the front, and then just, like, opened it up for a long sprint. That was super cool. And just, like, great stage hunting winning. And the fact that, you know... Uh, team registered in Africa, Mandela Day. That's cool. That's a great story. Yeah. Um, and then my third moment, which is really my fourth because I'm a cheater, is just that clip. I think everyone's seen it poking around on the internet where after some intermediate sprint for points, Peter Sagan sort of looks around at Cavendish and Greipel and Degenkolb and, and twiddles his finger saying, hey, let's let's start rotating. Let's break away. <laughs> uh you know, he's just kind of on a totally another level with the the sort of fun that he's having. It sort of reminds me of some of the stuff that, like, Adam Hansen has done. Uh, you know, there was a, a video of him going up some climb last year, and there's a dude running around with a selfie stick, and Adam Hansen, like, wraps his arm around him and, like, like keeps on going up the climb, like, totally hamming it up for several seconds, and there are pictures of him, you know, grabbing beer and drinking. Sagan is doing this, like, same kind of using the tour as, like, a stage to have fun, 
while also being, you know, arguably the best all-around rider of the tour. So that's just, like, big hat tip. Uh, Cycling News said Sagan wins hearts, not stages. And I think he's sort of redeeming himself for being a bit of a jackass in the, some of the past recent mm. uh, years. So yeah. there we go. Those yeah. are my three moments. How about you? That's great. Well, uh, I just want to make... We're, we're not going to discuss this too much. I do want to just make a quick note in your comment on, on Sagan that mm-hmm. uh, it is nice to see him bring in, bring in the happy back. Yeah. That, that that's all. That, 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 you know, after being very frustrated uh, the last last two years, he's he's having fun again. Yeah. Even if he's not necessarily winning. So that's cool. All right. Um, so you'd not be surprised to hear that my, my top three, unranked top three... Uh, that we had some overlap, but I was prepared for that. Ah, I, I have clever. some backup. I have some backup picks. Nice. <laughs> nice. Rap at me. <laughs> yeah. So first, um, and again, this is sort of wrapping two into one a little bit, but this is uh, Frenchman winning in the Alps, um, two of the Alpine stages. So on stage 18 uh, from Gap to uh, Saint-Jean-de-Maurienne, we had Roman Bardet mm-hmm. storming to just a beautiful mountain win uh so you know in, the, in both of these guys had a tough start to the race uh pino of course lost lots of time in the first week cracked on the first excuse me cracked on the first Pyrenean stage um barde uh maybe didn't have quite as as rough uh, a first week overall but uh, again, in the Pyrenees, got really sick with heat exhaustion and, and was, you know, reportedly had a horrible headache and was throwing up on the bike and, and just in a bad, in pretty bad shape. Both of them really out of the GC fight, but just came roaring back. Um, Bardet uh, went into the break uh, and went over the top of the Col du Glandon. Uh, he had company over the top of that climb. This is sort of uh, my favorite part really about how he won this stage roman bardet of course one of the young french climbers and he goes over the top of this climb uh in the company of winner anacona uh, the colombian and drops the crap out of him <laughs> on the descent <laughs> it was amazing it was it was so fabulous uh anacona anacona not that useful on a descent at least compared to bardet who is one of those French climbers who, I don't know, at least compared to that guy, boy, he can go downhill. Um, and again, held off, <laughs> a long story, but it's just so great, held off uh, the rest of the break on this just ridiculously spectacular climb of the Lacée de Montvernier. Uh, and yeah, got there with a, a lead. So that was pretty awesome. And in, you know, maybe less, I don't know, spectacular, downhill fashion but nonetheless impressive uh Thibaut Pino rode himself uh into the break uh, by the base of Alpe d'Huez climbed up uh fought with Hegedal all the way over uh, caught up to his teammate uh Genies and then rode away from him and looked like he might have been uh his his win might have been under threat from Quintana but was able to hold him off for 20 seconds the only thing that moment was missing was Mark Matteo leaning out of a car going apeshit yeah, that was that was missing, but that's unfortunate. Uh, so, all right, that's the first one. I'll I'll, I'll make it a little a little shorter. We had so the, my next two are are the overlap. I I too had uh, Cummings going over the top of the French at mm-hmm. uh, Mond. Uh, I had Tony Martin winning on the cobbles. Dang, 
Yeah. But how how well prepared are you for this overlap? I'm I'm not prepared for the overlap, but I was prepared for this show. Okay. <laughs> Preparation. It's it's a thing that we're doing now, apparently. So that uh, yeah, well you know that's cool. We picked some of the same best moments. Yeah. But I have backups. I have All backups. Right, that's good. They're still pretty awesome. Rap uh, at I, me. Yeah, I had I had that uphill fight between uh, Peter Sagan and Greg Von Avermaet and in Roday. <laughs> that's stage thirteen. That's sort yeah. of that's sort of t- tying into your uh, what you've already said. But you know that's there. Uh, just just to get an element of all that, it was really nice. It was kind of like, oh my god, one of these guys is going to win this stage, and that's what the hell's going on. <laughs> Uh, and, and in the end, it was Greg Van Avermeet. Um, nice to see. Uh, I mean, it's not that he's unheralded exactly, but you know, Sagan gets a lot more press, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, understandably and, and rightfully so. But, but that was cool to see. It's and... also like like GVA doesn't have a, a ton of wins in his career. He is a he's a major player. He's shockingly low on wins. Very low on wins. So that's yeah. just you know, and like. His wife was due to have a baby in like a week, and he wins this totally awesome stage, and Sagan like can't even come around him. That's just dope. It was it was awesome. Yeah, G- and, and the other thing about Greg Hanavermeet, you know, it's interesting that he has these few wins. Is you know he's he's teammates with uh, his his best friend and fellow Belgian um, Philip Joubert. Uh, uh, inside information: they are not best friends at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in case that was unclear from context. Uh, and I would say in the last several years that uh, Von Avermeet has been a much more solid rider, uh, much more consistent anyway in the classics than, than Gilbert, and yet still has fewer fewer big wins. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, and finally, it's another, my, my, my third best moment is another Sagan uh, moment. He's, he's doing well. Uh, in the competition to see who can be the most consistently well-placed in the WHPP Tour de France Best Moments competition. Um, <laughs> that daredevil descent into Gap. Ah, oh, um, yes. Yeah, that was that was pretty incredible. Uh, where he was in the break, and the thing that it can be difficult to remember about that stage, um, sort of the, not the first, not a true Alpine stage, but sort of the Alpine opener, it can be difficult to remember that um, he didn't win that stage, that he was second, that it was won by Ruben Plaza, a uh, Spaniard uh, climber on Team Lamprey. Finally actually, reminding everybody that Lamprey did indeed attend the tour. Yeah, that Lamprey, right, exactly. If, if, it, weren't for, if it weren't for Plaza, uh, you would never have known that Lamprey was in the tour. Even, even uh, Pupo Pizzato wasn't really uh, all that visible, which is uh, a shame. Preferable. Oh, okay. We disagree on that. <laughs> uh, you know, I he's anyway. That's another topic. For another time. <laughs> but yeah, so in just there's you can find. I uh, go to YouTube, find the video of. Um, they were. I don't know if it was the ASO. I, I guess were kind enough to release just the un uncut the full uh, video moto video. So of, so beautiful of him going down that mountain and. It would have been nice if they had that still intercut with the helicopter, actually, because you can see uh, a bit more of just what he's doing going into the corners. And it's just crazy. He's, like, on the top tube. He's pedaling hard. He sits back, and then he just puts his weight way back, rails the turn, uh, and just is stomping on the pedals on the way out. 
you know. And it's not even it's not even that it looks good, but he also just descended somebody off of his wheel. Oh, completely. Someone who did a pretty good descent, mm-hmm. it should be said, because you know, and and also credit to the stage winner, Ruben Plaza. Everyone was like, "Oh, pff, he's got a minute on Peter Sagan at the top of this mountain." Well, he's doomed, uh, and he managed to hold on to thirty seconds, mm-hmm. which you know is nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, uh, Nibali attacked the yellow jersey group on the way down and it got a little bit of time but didn't really make that much of an impression honestly he got what something like 15 seconds on the way down yeah something slim yeah so so just shows you that i think sagan is just in a whole nother class from even renowned descender um Nibali. so that was awesome uh i don't know what else what else i have to say about that uh you know that's good i think that's <laughs> a good talk a little that's bit like more than a backup that you know for us the excitement we might some not, overlap with our best moments that, that but we I, should have, I didn't even have, um, i forgot about that we have to talk about our winners and losers before we do i i just want to note i noticed this already for the things i had typed in i noticed it for you for you as well there was a noticeable lack of uh gc fight moments in our best moments of the tour de france well, yeah, that's, and I think this is going to be, this is, this is a whole conversation because this, this tour got a lot of rep, uh, for being kind of boring. And I think, yeah, the, the GC competition was a little bit boring once Froome stormed to his, his win on the first mountain stage. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was sort of, I, I think there was sort of a sneaky sort of interestingness to it, um, because it ended up, I don't know. It's not that it was the most exciting GC fight of all time, but but there was actually there were some things going on. It ended up being a tighter race than people really expected. We'll we'll get to that, I think. But you you know you'd think the way people were talking about it that Froome Froome went you know on to win by something like five minutes, but really it was what a minute and twelve seconds. It was not that much. Right. It just so. never really seemed in doubt. You know. I mean, everyone was kind of hoping that Quintana would just go on sort of sortie after sortie and get 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there, but it was... Well, it turns it, out that, that yeah. racing bikes is hard. Racing uh, bikes is hard. So, all right. So so we got to... Let's do some winners and losers. Um, we, we could kind of switch off here, I think. Uh, uh, let's lead off with the obvious. Uh, Chris Froome won the tour. He's, he's, he's among our winners. You know, big, Sky, big winner. Mm-hmm. Regardless of, of, of what you think of Froome or Sky, you know, they they did an excellent race. You know, they utilized their their team strengths and Dan Froome's strengths and uh, I think Froome honestly deserves credit for racing really well, having just keeping a really level head. Um, he handled his bike well. Not not prettily but well and you know he he earned the win yeah you know we we've talked about the the crazy consistency that it takes to win a grand tour and you know it can almost sound like like a vapid statement but you need to be really good in order to win a grand tour and you know Froome started off on top and he stayed on top and yeah it might not have been the most like exciting dynamic GC battle that we've ever seen, but it was a good ride by him. So, 
There you go. Yeah. All right, what do you got? Who else do you have on the list of winners? So I was thinking of, you know, some performances that really surprised and impressed me. And really high on that list were Gary Thomas, uh, Froome's teammate who, you know, definitely surprised people by riding into the third week into the Alps in, like, fifth place on the GC. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's always been a a pretty capable rollier classics guy kind of able to slim down and like you know apparently he got his power to weight where he needed to be in order to uh cling on with some some climbing favorites uh but that was really impressive you know now there's now there's some chattering that he's gonna be maybe sky's next gt guy we'll see i kind of hope not i kind of like the idea of him being more of like an ardennes and week-long stage race sort of time trialing climber climb trialist i like to call them i Um, i think the evidence is definitely against him you know you never know but he's he's you know quote-unquote mature it sounds like a code for old but you know he's he's 29 years old Um, Mm -hmm. he's now been focused on the road for several years and he did you know the best race like ever up to a point and then it was kind of almost I think that we were talking on Twitter and saying it was almost kind of a relief to see him crack <laughs> like that. Just just because it's like, okay, like, he's... Human. Human, and and it, it he did pay for those efforts, which is kind of like you hope that someone who hasn't... And not that he wasn't a good rider before. He, he obviously has, has always been a good rider, but, you know, it, it can sometimes be... I think people were a little bit um, worried seeing him put out these performances that that he had really never um done before in the tour de france like he'd ridden well in the tour de france but he had not been climbing with the lead group with the best climbers in the world so so there's that and um yeah when you see someone uh crack and lose you know 22 minutes um, <laughs> when they've been on such good form it sort of suggests that they 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 might not have the consistency for that long a period of time but they can still be they can, you know, still, still very much. He could be a good guy in, in shorter stage races or, mm-hmm. or in like the Ardennes or something like that. And I'd like, I'd love to see uh, Gary Thomas do well in one day races. I think that's a, a weak point for Sky, and very weak he point. Might be their their best bet. And this is, you know, respect. we we could almost like rewind this whole conversation and insert Tony Galapan for Gary Thomas because Galapan, mm-hmm. you know, also terrific puncher and he just kind of found himself having a really great tour for a week and a half maybe two weeks again in the top 10 of the gc climbing really well until you know he cracked pretty brutally but i I like galapan uh i like seeing him ride up there and so he's on my list of winners too Um, well you know in in the case of both of these guys it's sorry this has been a bit of a tangent but i i think that it's in a way a little bit of a waste to see them riding for the GC in a three-week Grand Tour because yeah. they're not—they're really not in the running for the win. Like top ten, okay, but these are guys who really have very strong potential to. You know, we know Tony Gallopin has won stages in the Tour. Um, if Gary Thomas were afforded more freedom, um, he certainly uh, is is easily someone who could win stages. Right, we'd like to see them attacking and not just surviving. Yeah, which also makes it kind of a shame that I think Thomas is probably going to stay at Sky. (laughs) (laughs) But, oh well. Sorry, I interrupted you. 
No, that's all right. I so obviously you know so far with Gary and Thomas doing Galpan, like my winners are, I've I've got sort of like a, a miscellaneous bit of uh, of kind of mid level performances that I think were impressive. So be- before I go on to them, why don't you why don't you give me next on your list of of uh, big winners from the tour? I I have I have a team on my list. It's MTM Quebeca. Man, MTM Quebeca was on my list too. Yeah. Well, how could they not be? How could they not be? You know, mm-hmm. wild card pick, uh, amazing um, referee uniform kits. <laughs> uh, One I of which I, I saw on my ride this afternoon. What? I saw a general enthusiast wearing an MTN Quebeca kit. Okay, that's great. That's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so great. Very stylish. And this, they've got you know not just they're not just a bunch of highly paid riders that this quote unquote African team you know, hired out of, of Europe or whatever. They've got, like, legit African riders that they've developed racing in the Tour, doing well. Um, Daniel Tekleheim and not taking uh, the King of the Mountains jersey for a couple of days. Um, obviously, Stephen Cummings just with a marvelously calculated stage when they were in all kinds of breaks. Um, they were more successful than lots of the World Tour teams mm-hmm. in the race. Oh, they were just so great. Uh and, and you know they're they're going to be back like they have they so earned their spot that was like you, you know you get called up to the big leagues and you deliver yeah and that was what that team did here's, and that was great and and here's the thing i can't ignore too about mtn kubeka's successes is that it was on the back of coming stage victories uh tekla Hymanot, um and Murhawi kudos having good tours and it wasn't on oh and uh God, I think uh, Reinhard Janssen von Rendsburg won the Combativity Award on one of the stages. Mm-hmm. You know, that was what their successes were built on, not this sort of uh, handful of washed-up sprinters that make up some of their roster. Yeah, uh, and and you know, Goss it's wasn't in the because... tour, but Farrar, uh, Bosenhagen, you know, they also have Shiulek, Teo Bosses, a sort of bunch of people who never like. Well, Farrar, you know, had a good couple of years and has been groping around. And Teo Boss has won some races. Teo and... Boss has won some, you know, like, Bosenhagen has been, like, fumbling around trying to put it together for the past, like, four or five years. Goss hasn't really done anything since he won Milan San Remo, which, you know, maybe sounds like, you know, how do you follow up winning Milan San Remo? But, you know... It... Well, but he really hasn't done anything. He hasn't really done anything. And... So... Yeah, so I just I love seeing the development aspect and not the like hiring people for UCI points aspect. Well, it's interesting because they've been you know they've been uh, leaning kind of on those guys. That's been the story, really, is that oh they hired all these bunch of bunch of guys, and that's not to say that they didn't have an, a valuable role to play. I'm sure that you know they were doing doing their share of work and whatnot for the team, but it was really on the back of of sort of the both the young riders coming up the development riders and also um sort of the the veteran who is your kind of money ball hire your steve cummings mm-hmm. you know uh someone who's not necessarily that um heralded but is really got a big motor and is a savvy racer and you know when he has his opportunity knows how to take it yeah so yeah, awesome. MCM Kubeka. Uh, I I also have it's we we got to get to this, of course. Uh, Andre Greipel 
dominated the sprints. Oh my god, I just did not expect him to win four stages in a pretty star-studded sprint field this year. Well, we'll get to the others, I think, probably in our next section. (laughs) 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 But yeah, yeah, someone who that I thought was just, I thought Bripa was pretty much done, to be perfectly honest with you. Whoa. Uh, Well, it's true. Well, he'd been really, he seemed like like he was kind of, not that he was like washed up and and would never, you know, I, I figured he would could be good for a stage win you know but it's like mm-hmm. in the past in the tour de france that his sort of peak of his powers he's gotten what two stage wins in one edition something like that um, uh maybe and yeah he, he has 10 stages all together in the tour yeah well that's pretty good uh that's you know pretty good but but nonetheless it had been it had been a little while since he had a big win yeah you know, so but so so yeah, Greipel. Uh, I mean, there's not much else to say. Just no one else could could really touch him, um, with the exception of uh, Cavendish managed to sneak a stage. Mm-hmm. So all right, who who else do you have? I've got more, but but let's uh, throw have you throw a couple out there. I've got like a bunch of miscellaneous Dutchmen. Um, <laughs> you like your your funny Dutch climbers. I like my <laughs> I like my. My woe-begotten Dutch climbers. Uh, Bauke Malama and Robert Gessink, I think, were the two who, yeah. you know, had thoroughly respectable top ten rides. Uh, a lot of things could have gone wrong for either of them, uh, and a lot of things went wrong for a lot of other people. But, you know, that's the kind of ride that those two guys are aiming for, and yeah. and they, they had good rides. You know, I think they, they managed to avoid the bad luck that happened to a lot of uh, other people, most of whom are on Lotto NL Yumbo. Uh, Wilco Kelderman, Lawrence Tendam, all these like yeah, spindly, tarantula Dutch climbers, um, just, just a, a bunch of bad luck. So I did not expect to see you know, guessing kind of emerge. And all Yumbo just it's it's not the team to be on the, this year. It's that that <laughs> team has had some bad juju. Uh, that hmm, should I have said that? Was that racist? Maybe maybe I should. They've they've just been really had some bad luck, uh, in in the tour in particular, but it seems like this season in general, I don't know, maybe it's the yellow and black. Uh, <laughs> yeah. On a, on a personal level, it's, it's nice to see Hessing back on top. Yeah. Sixth is pretty good. Six is pretty dang good. Yeah. Well, and it's just been like, man, this dude cannot catch a break. Right. And, and you know, he seems to be doing okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, on the bike and, and, you know, hopefully things have settled down in his life too. Hopefully he'll have no more, no more uh, health problems or uh, kind of family crises for a while. Yeah. Um, I just have a couple more. One is um, Valverde annoyingly <sighs> has to go on that list. <laughs> Can we just also put him on the losers list just for a sense of balance in the world? <laughs> that dude sucks, right? Everyone thinks about, is there a Valverde? Okay, audience, if, if one among you is a fan of Alejandro Valverde, please speak up. I don't think I've heard of of anyone actually rooting for Alejandro Valverde. No. And it's yeah. not like he's Voldemort. He's just like... Ugh. Ugh. Yep. Yep. Uh, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not give him too much air time. Yeah, so we had a good tour, blah, 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 blah. You know who had a better tour is uh, Etix Quickstep. Three riders, uh, oh, yeah. three stage wins. Tony Martin, Stanek Stibar, and Mark Cavendish each won a stage. I don't know if there's 
uh, another team that had three different riders win stages this year, and I doubt it because I don't know if any other teams won that many stages. But that's Arguably pretty awesome. BMC, but one of those was was the team time trial. Who was the other BMC stage win? Well, they had Rohan Dennis on stage. Oh, one. Rohan Dennis, yeah, of course. And GVA. And GVA. Stage 13. Yeah. Well, let's take a funny but, thing. But Tony Martin's win, Stanek Stebar's win, and Mark Cavendish's win, those were all super badass. And I think that oh, if yeah. you're talking about, like, badassity, like, yeah, time trialing is badass, and team trialing, time trialing is, like, kind of badass, and GVA's win was kind of badass, but I think, like, the badassness of the Martin Stebar Cav wins kind of outweighs the bmc trifecta i'm I'm, I'm gonna disagree with you and say that time trialing is not badass i I respect that opinion (laughs) it's i mean it's impressive don't get me wrong but i'm gonna say not badass Mm -hmm. um yeah those those wins were just so damn impressive i mean i would give the nod to addicts as well it's easy to forget that they had such a good tour because they they were so visible in that first week and relatively invisible after that it has to be said but you know i mean they, they could sort of afford to sit on their laurels a little bit yeah they were they were racing for the first week and a half and then just to get to paris they had some nice riding after that i i think uh kwiatkowski you know had a had a, had a nice ride on uh oh geez what was that rain drenched uh Pyrenean stage one of them yeah yeah um w- the one that rodriguez won uh, it's just good to see them out there, and and you know he put in a good ride. He was really nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was he was he was just uh, it was a, a mountaintop too far. Uh, <laughs> it seemed like it seemed like he didn't really have the form, and and so he had devoted most of his uh, the energy he had to helping his teammates. Which he is, he was definitely nice. on domestic duty this tour, which you know it's at first I was bummed because I picked him from a fellow games team, uh, but yeah he. It's cool to see the world champ jersey on domestic duty. That's just neat, you know. Yeah. All right, and and my and finally on on my winners list, I I mean I have uh, Sagan rampant in green. Rampant. Rampant. Uh, I do also have a you know if you have any 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 other miscellany in your category category, you should bring it out because actually what my notes say is rampant in green, dot dot dot, and then yet winless. Yet winless. <laughs> Well, so speaking of, speaking of winless and not being it, you know, I guess my my final list of winners or is you know, Thibaut Pino, and we touched on this earlier. He had a, a a crappy run at the GC attempt, but you know, winning another stage and and an amazing stage. Uh, why do I like that better than you know, like we talked about, like surviving into fifth place or something like that? Yeah, it's just way it's, better. It's boring. And, I mean, I would like to think that maybe the French public thinks it's better too. Well, you know, they the, the you've got the narrative of struggle, and the French love that. <laughs> life, life is suffering. What is it? Is the Robin Williams? See, I'm giving a, I am giving a cigarette to a baby. Get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst French accent ever. I think it was th- thoroughly respectable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. It's so, not so bad you. a French accent that it's Quebecois. <laughs> uh, we're gonna okay. Uh, okay. We, oh, <laughs> we don't want to get any more uh, angry emails from uh, you know the Quebecois, or Quebecois, or 
It's amazing. You wouldn't think there'd be anyone in North Dakota to send us angry emails, but... Uh, but we did. We got one, yeah. We got one, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Uh, anyone else? Maybe we should move on to the losers. How's that? That's the losers. Number one, Sprinter's not named Greipel. Yeah, pretty much, with, with the sort of semi-exception of Cavendish. Right, he had, a, he had a stage win. And, you know, Sagan, as we talked about, he Sagan for, like, three weeks, but... But in such just wonderful fashion... Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. So he used no. To... Yeah, that's uh, that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. You know he'll be frustrated, and it would have been nice to see him take that win. But you know, I, I think he's not a true uh, loser. But yeah, the rest of the sprinters were just man. They were just nowhere to be seen. And I gotta say, I don't know what it is about Norwegians, but Alex Kristoff seems to be like taking a page out of Edvald Bosenhagen's book and like hitting the front way too early. Oh yeah, and he had his team just like drilling it in it was the always out. katusha on the front with 1k to go and then Kristoff like hits the front with like 350 meters to go and he gets oh. totally swarmed by 100 yeah i mean maybe that works you know when you're on like mega good form like he's had in the past yeah because <laughs> because that is that is sort of his style is is not like to be super jumpy but to launch it high speed and from a long way out oh yeah it's a, it's a diesel come and get me who shop yeah. kind of sprint yeah but he just the problem is he's not the only kind of sprinter like that Greipel's a lot like that too and Greipel was way Greipel was also punchier and yeah and he was faster yeah i mean not that yeah Greipel is a little punchier but he can also do the the long range yeah um, sprint yeah but it, so so just uh very a, a little disappointing it, it kind of i mean you know i like i like the sprint stages and all that but there weren't a lot of opportunities, and and the people who weren't named Greipel kind of uh, kind of blew it. Gotta nice. say this though. Gotta say this. Yes, a lot of them blew it, but holy crap! Brian Cocard got second place on the Champs Elysees. Yeah, did not see that coming. That was an amazing sprint by him. He is like such an awesome freelancer. Uh, you know, he doesn't win a ton of sprints. He's not. Really an out and out field sprinter. He's also a tracky. He is a he's an enduro and sort of omnium rider. And yeah, that was just that was a you know, we saw that like side cam and we saw like Kristoff hmm. leading it out and then this like big red gorilla of Greipel coming by. And then all of a sudden <laughs> there was like a blur of green. I mean Cocard was gaining on Greipel. Yeah, past another twenty line. meters and <laughs> A French sprinter winning on the Champs Elysees? What would that have been like? Yeah, just heads would be exploding all <laughs> over the land. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be something. Um, all right, moving down the list. Um, mm-hmm. Gotta say, uh, T.J. Van Garderen, man. Ew. Oh, what happened? He was it was going so well, T.J. It was going so well and so like quietly and TJ, well. And he was in, and he was our our great not Valverde hope. Yes. As well. <laughs> like, it was... TJ, you had one job to do. One. And you blew it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like, seriously, it looks like he got sick. He was just dying. Uh, got unhitched really early. And I don't even remember what stage. It was, like, the second Al... Or maybe the first Alpine stage after the rest day. Yeah, that's um, what it was. Which has happened to him before. But you know what? Like, I'd rather... Yeah, but he was. I think he was actually sick with something. Yeah, and I'd rather. That's a better way for him to go out, like, with tears and this thing that you just can't battle through, than it is like, 
losing two minutes one day, losing two minutes another day, just like slipping out of the top ten and being right. like, oh, I was really unhappy with my tour. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and I've seen some people say like, oh, you know, he should have fought on and taken, you know, the losing like half an hour or whatever and, and fought back. But he was sick. You know, like, for stage ones. But stop, like, ri- stop riding uh, the Tour de France if you're sick, you know? Yeah, it's like that, that's, you know, that's, that's, then what are you going to do? Like, I don't know. I I have sympathy for like that he was going so much slower than everyone else like it was just you know there was kind of no way and it's like you know you got some pride <laughs> so which is, which is kind of what's going on there it's like here's you know a guy who's raced flaw essentially flawlessly for two weeks and just all of a sudden you're sick and your legs won't turn over and it's like you don't even want to face your team so yeah no uh, sympath- sympathies for that who else do you have on your list of losers? I uh, also have time trialists who wore yellow in the past three weeks. Yeah. Man, curse of the yellow jersey. That was a bummer. A thing? Yeah. Boy, that was harsh. That was harsh. And then, so that's kind of obvious because we sort of touched on that early. But Well, something I want to make clear about that, by the way, is a lot of people saying, oh my goodness, two people crashed out of the yellow jersey. Um, that is that is technically speaking not true, um, in that neither of them actually had to retire on course while wearing yellow, which is nice. And and in fact, um, even if you're to the point of of someone who has to quit the race while in yellow, that was only Tony Martin, because Conchalar, even though it was the result of the crash, technically he lost the time on that mm-hmm. jersey on the way up the Murda so, I just want to say, it depends. It really depends on how you define crashing out of yellow because there's some technicalities in there. True, true. Go on. This <laughs> is so, just a nitpick. So, th- so then I have, like, two teams who I think, like, totally took a dump, and that's <laughs> Orica, Green Edge, and Trek Factory Racing, except for Balky Molama. But, like, I kind of forgot that Molama rides for Trek a little <laughs> bit because I was just thinking, like, oh, there's Molama, right? But, and I was sort of like, what's going on? And I was like you know refreshing myself with looking at the start list and i was like yeah where were these teams they were like not really well here I and like orica had some bad luck yeah and... i think some sympathy is due for the bad luck that, yeah that orica I'm, had. I'm cool with that i'm cool with that but they they had they had bad tours and trek had you know trek had the yellow jersey they had conchalara in the yellow jersey that didn't end well uh but <laughs> that did not end well no it did not but i don't know i i kind of to me, I have, I don't know, I have different teams in my list because I do have a couple teams. One, I have I have Kofidis. Did you know that they raced the Tour de France this year? I think I saw a reddish jersey at some point. Yeah, right? That So it was the guys with the red jerseys with the white down the side? Yeah, that was Kofidis. They huh. were in the race. You wouldn't have known it. No. Uh, but they were there. Uh, so that's pretty weak. Like, <laughs> you know, not even any, like, brave hero going down swinging. And then sort of on... The opposite end of the spectrum, speaking of going down swinging, uh, I've got Candale Garmin on there. Just, they were fighting, but but man, just not really anywhere on GC, and they had three second places on on stages, but uh, I don't know. I feel like Garmin doesn't have like the joie de vivre this year. Maybe not quite as much. I, I would hedge on your... Uh indictment of their tour they did they did have a bunch of coming close a bunch of podiums and no, yeah that's, that's not that's not what you're looking for entirely but 
they had some some respectable rides out of Martin and Hejdal and not sure uh, not sure, not sure where Talansky wound up. Well, he had a second place to Simon Geshka. Oh yeah, that's not too too bad, huh? It's, no, it's not bad. I mean, like it's it's more in the sense that they were they were you know they came close but just couldn't quite pull it together. And I, it was mostly they're mostly on the list for sake of acknowledging their efforts rather than mm-hmm. than criticizing them overly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, but you know, it's like Dan Martin was on form in the first week, and Hajdahl and Talansky were were on form in the last week. And yeah, and you know, there was a nice break. Uh, uh, Nathan Haas uh, was in the break to Rode on stage thirteen, the one that Greg Van Avermeet won, and then I think he subsequently had to drop out, unfortunately. But they were there. They they at least were present, unlike Kofidis, who, you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's really not much to say. All right, so I don't know. Do you have anything else? That's that's the end, the end of my list. I would say. Yeah, well, that's, no, that's I, have, a, I have one more, and it's you have a big one. one more so loser. I'll let, you, I'll let you go first. No, I don't have one more. You, oh, you, you don't do have one more. You, yeah. I have, and and you can you can disagree with you if you want, but I have Alberto Contador. Um, I think I think the nails in the coffin for Contador is a, a Tour de France contender. I really do. Whoa, like yeah. entirely. Well, I mean, for for winning the tour, yeah, I think I think it's not it's never going to happen again. I think he he might not even make a podium again. So you think he's just resigning himself to winning Giro's and Vueltas? I don't know if he's resigning himself. I just uh, I, I just hadn't... don't think. Yeah. Well, there's a certain extent, you know, in that I, he was going for the the Giro Tour double, and you know, given that even at that point, you know before the tour de france he hadn't he hadn't officially won a tour de france in six years and right. you know five since the one that he at first won before it was taken away um i you know it was it's hard to wonder if he's maybe sandbagging himself a little bit being that well i'm tired so yeah i mean that's possible know. it's a it's a saying well hey i just won the giro is a good way to deflect uh yeah, and I'm not saying that's not his personality. I'm not saying like that's like little like you know. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze him here, but I just mean that you know there there's sort of that sense in which there there is at least when you're shooting for that goal and and you don't um, come up with the big double, it it might be a little easier to fend off the the possibility that you're just not at the top of the GC game for the tour anymore. Yeah, I don't know. So it's entirely you know, possible, and I I have to say like since the you know two thousand eight nine ten um, eleven I've I've come around on Contador I I like the way he races. So. Yeah, he you know he and Nibali both went down swinging. Mm. I, Quintana did too, but like Nibali and Contador were like much further down in their swinging. Mm. <laughs> yeah and they both Quite definitely like kind of went for broke a couple times and you know nibali had a, a pretty big stage win uh for his efforts contador had no such laurel no such lucky no but such as lucky. We, they did they definitely both race like winners you know yeah well though there were the times when you know contador would attack you know kind of low down or, or midway up two mountains you know two mountain peaks out from the end of a stage and it'd just be like that's 
it was almost kind of sad. It's like, that's not going anywhere, man. Like, you know it's not. Um, so, I don't know. That made me that made me a little sad. Yeah. But, because, um, you know, I like seeing big, big, ridiculous, brave things work. Like the way he won uh, the Vuelta in 2012. And, uh, you know, the way... Uh, Andy Schleck kind of took it to Cadell Evans in 2011. Yeah, a big go for broke kind of move. Yeah, on the way to the Bolivier. So anyway. that was also how uh, Thomas de Ghent got himself third in a Vuelta a couple years back. Oh, uh, that was the Giro, wasn't it? I thought it was the Vuelta. Pretty sure it was the Giro. Damn. I believe it was the Giro that Hejadal won. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> 2012 Giro. You're right. <laughs> Uh, Tour de France. No, not Tour de France. Sorry, cycling results off. <laughs> Memory contest. All right. Yeah. Um. So maybe we should should move on to just I don't know discussing some major points. Let's 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 uh you know we're running into I don't know forty five minutes. So. Yeah, I guess the the only really other like kind of big thought that I have about this is that you know I was looking at Froome's other. Tour de France performances, obviously barring 2014 when he like crashed and broke eight of his wrists. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, during uh, 2012, Froome's performance, um, that was the tour that Bradley Wiggins won. Right. He, again, he stormed away and he won the first uphill finish. It was a rampage and he started working his way up the GC from then on. And then uh, that was also a very TT heavy tour. He wound up finishing second. That was pretty good, I guess. Yeah. 2013, he basically did exactly the same thing. First mountain stage, he went and he got himself a bunch of time. He held yellow for the remainder of the tour. Um, and and then, you know, as late as stage 17, Quintana was like seven minutes back. Um, behind like Malama, Kreuziger. Um, Quintana was like chipping away 30 seconds here and there in subsequent yeah. stages. But, you know, Quintana really had a, a superior ride this year to two years ago. Maybe it was just um, a lot of people were hoping that Quintana would win, whereas two years ago it was kind of like a crowning of his potential. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I'm getting a little bit distracted. You know, for the most part, I'm thinking of the, just those arc, you know, like Froome performs in Grand Tours kind of in the same way. Like he gets a bunch of time at the first opportunity and then he holds it. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, that's a good way to win. Honestly, that that's effective. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I'd, not I'd win that way, I guess, if I could. You know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, you do what you can. Well, yeah. On that, people had kind of, and part of why I think there's a little bit of like, oh, this tour was, this tour was boring. Uh, narrative was because. He ran away with it on the first stage, and everyone thought, oh, this is just going to be what's going to happen the whole time. Right. It's done. It's done. And then that was really the only super dominant day that he had. He was always mm-hmm. there. Um, but he was able to, he was able to really, he was able to prevent people from like taking 30 seconds here and there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He was able to avoid losing time in big, big chunks until the last mountain stage to Alpe d'Huez, actually. Yeah. So th- that he lost, I think, twenty seconds to Quintana on uh, La Tussure. Mm-hmm. I didn't that's say not, that right, but that's not La too, too much. 
which is not not too much. Yeah, not too bad, especially considering the deficit that Quintana has started has started out with. But yeah, so the apparent dominance of Froome was down mostly to one stage, and actually the the race tightened in the Alps, and Quintana got stronger. I, I think that if, you know there are people who are always doing the climbing analysis and stuff like that, and it, it looks like Froome was pretty consistent actually in that his competition got better as the race went on. Mm-hmm. So. I think one of the things we're seeing from Quintana is that, yeah, he absolutely gets better as the race goes on. Yeah. If he had had, if I mean, if there were another mountain stage, uh, Froome would have been in serious trouble. Yeah. You know, I, I think that uh, he was fading a little bit there. Uh, definitely, definitely reduced to limiting his losses on the way up Alpduez. Yes. Yes. So very and uh, very... i mean quintana so the, and this goes to the you know one of the big what if stories of the tour is that you know quintana made enough time up on Wes that he lost by the amount of time that he lost on stage two and that's a that's a that's a bitter pill for us quintana fans out there it is it is you do have to you know it's i i think people can it's easy to make the mistake of thinking that a single counterfactual would reverse the outcome mm-hmm. of the race, right? So, you know, your one counterfactual in this case being, okay, Quintana doesn't lose time in the echelons. But then you think, oh, then, you know, that's assuming that the race plays out in exactly the same way, consequently. Yeah. And that is not uh, necessarily true. That said, uh, it would have been a much tougher fight, I think, for Froome. Yes. You know, there's no, there's no question about that because he could, he could afford to let, let the, uh, I don't know, let the line spool out a little bit on Quintana. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it's tight, you know, if if Quintana, if Quintana is more or less level on time, then it's a very, very different situation. Yeah, so. I mean, who knows? You know, Afru uh, might have been chasing Quintana's attacks until he cracked. Yeah. Well, well, we'll have to see what happens next year, I guess. Uh, these two are the prohibitive favorites again, and I, I don't think that uh, Quintana is going to chase a Giro again. He was he was reportedly pretty grouchy about not being in the tour last year. So right. Um, I, I I have a couple things I, I I wanted to get to. One was we we've covered most of them. One was that it was just a ridiculously deep GC field. Um. Under under the circumstances, how things went for Pino in particular, it's sort of, it's just it was not the same race as in 2014 at all. This is even uh, with no Contador way. being tired and and Ibali clearly not really being on form. It, it was just it was just crazy how strong these guys at the front of the race were, uh, Froome and Quintana and Valverde and uh, <laughs> just all these guys. Um, maybe the deepest GC climbing field we've seen in in many years. So that was maybe unprecedented. I don't know. It was a ridiculously strong field, and that that kind of leads me into I, I think the final comment I have on on uh, sort of the doping controversy that always surrounds the tour that was there last year that you know there is controversy but 
that pointing fingers just at Sky or at Froome in isolation is is an error. Um, doped or clean, the the entire podium is climbing about on par with 2002 uh, to 2007. So you know that whether that either what whether they're doing that all clean or all all dope, you know, it's like we can't. It's part of what makes the, this that conversation frustrating, and and I think it was a tense conversation this year with uh, apparently some some allegations of various d- kinds of a, a, abuse against Chris Froome and Sky Rider, some of them substantiated and some not. I have pretty severe doubts about the whole urine throwing thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Don't know about the urine th- throwing thing, but uh, yeah, urine gate. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but but I don't want to I don't want to end on the uh, don't mean controversy note. I just no, indeed. I think we should end on a, a wrap up of our working men's fantasy bicycle league. Yeah, I think that's a good idea because we have we have a prize to distribute. We do indeed. Have we? Uh, <clears throat> side note to Greg, have we? Solidified with the prizes? Uh, I believe it was going to be some Zuba's stuff and a $10 bill. That sounds and I'll, awesome. That's I'll a great prize. Like five bucks. And the winner, yeah. And the winner uh, is John Mark and his team through my balling a dick butt. Yeah, that's classy, or, team, uh, name, classy team name there, John Mark. <laughs> thanks, thanks for winning the competition <laughs> and making us say that on the air. Uh, overall score of 6,469 points and overall rank of 5,007 so that's either like pretty good or not that good depending on I guess what percentile it is we don't have those data the interesting thing I I, in glancing through the Velo Games teams you couldn't really be competitive unless you got Peter Sagan on your team had I not been an idiot and had I picked him I would have won uh yeah you for not having Peter Sagan, you really did quite well for yourself, Matty. In fifth place, this is did, on the the the, uh, the USAC podium, the mountain, <laughs> mountain bike podium, the extended <laughs> yeah, podium. Not bad. The Masters Championship mm-hmm. podium. Yeah, so so that's pretty good. Uh, I have to say, um, so first of all, um, Mr. John Mar uh, of Team Through My Balling Dick, but please please get in touch with us uh, to claim your prize. So email us, uh, honestbikeprogram at gmail.com. Uh, I suppose you could also try getting in touch with us via Twitter, but we're going to want to get a valid mailing address uh, to which to send your swag. So, yeah. So congratulations. Uh, congratulations. It was, a, it, was a, it was a nice battle up there at the top between... It was. John Mark and Mike Peltier and Jenny of Team Hot. Which, which really rounding out the, considering the criteria by which Jenny picked her team and that she lost several team uh, team members early on in some cases, really hung tough to finish in third. There are, there are no prizes for third place, but there is the eternal respect of your peers. So... <laughs> That's. I thought that third place is you're fired. Oh well, right. But this, we we don't have any steak knives to give to second place, let alone a Cadillac. 
<laughs> for a first place winner. <laughs> no one's getting a Cadillac. Zuba's pants are like a Cadillac for your legs. <laughs> it is not like a Cadillac. It is like a... You should bring that to them. A different a vehicle Cadillac altogether. for your legs. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That might be the show title. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, you did, you did quite well. I have to say you really climbed the ranks, and, and you kind of bottomed out, unfortunately. Uh, about 700 points short of the winner, but a, a good a, yeah. a good showing. Uh, my team collapsed quite badly in the final week. Uh, yes. We'd, we'd been about mid-pack, uh, hanging in there, fighting for stage wins, and, uh, I, and I think everyone just crashed all at the same time and just lost huge chunks of points and ended third to last. So not last place. Not last place. Yeah. Uh, we won't shame the actual last place finisher. It was, but it wasn't me. Uh, thank goodness. <laughs> so I, I ended with, just to get an idea of the gaps involved, 4,584 points. I had 5,723. I had, I had some bad picks in there. I'm not going to lie. I did not have a very well-distributed team performance. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, same. Uh they're just sometimes I, I should have known that you, you really you got to pick with your head and not with your heart because I went with my heart it's, I picked uh, Lawrence Ten Dam he got me zero points I pick I went with my heart I picked I picked Jeremy Raw twenty three points uh, mm. yeah not um, not good picks but sometimes picking with your head doesn't work out so hot either I mean I I picked Kwiatkowski thinking that the first two weeks were perfect for him to to be doing some stage I mean, hunting you know he's form. he's a puncher and he can climb and he only got me 130 yeah. points yeah uh it's you know what are you what are you gonna do it's difficult it's a, it's a difficult game i picked degenkolb thinking about the form that he was on this spring and thinking like that boded well for a grand tour <laughs> nope and he was he was consistently in fourth place in the small handful of sprints that we yeah, had. He, unfortunately, but I did pick Froome and Quintana, so that was yeah, pretty good. Those that was smart. I did not. I picked Nibali, so I got what I deserved. <laughs> what else is there to say, really? So yeah, um, get in touch with us, uh, John, and we will make sure you get your zoo. You might want to include some sizing information. I'm not sure it'll be relevant. You might just get whatever Matteo has lying around <laughs> but this seems likely <laughs> but hopefully you fit the same size that Matteo wears I don't know so congrats <laughs> congratulations now you too uh can hang around on the infield drinking beer looking like a million bucks in your Zuba's pants because that's what you do right that is what awesome. I do Awesome. Okay. Uh, well, unless you have anything else, I, I think that about wraps it up for the night. I think that that doesn't just wrap it up for the night. That wraps it up for the month. It has been a good one. It's been a busy yeah. one. Greg, I'm glad we got to yeah. ride through this month together. <laughs> That's right. We did ride, and I'm glad we did. Yes, it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that I had you along the way, Matteo. All right. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us for our Tour de France Working Men's Honest Bicycle Program. Spectacular. Yeah, thank you. And, and I think um, 
I think we might take a little bit of a break. Uh, we might have something for you in the, in the interim, we'll, but we're going to take a, we're tired, you know, we're going to take a week or two. Uh, we, we might have something special for you, we might not, it really depends on how motivated I am. Uh, but we'll be back to talk about our usual smorgasbord of kind of amateur racing and bike riding and just having fun on bikes and uh, cycle cross season is coming so there's lots of great stuff down the pike down the road so yeah stay stay with us we got we got a good rest of the year yeah. coming up it's going to be fun on a bun. So you can get in touch with us. Uh, as we told John, uh, you can email the show. We are at, uh, not at, that's Twitter. We are honestbyprogram at gmail.com. We do have a Twitter account. That is at underscore WHBP. We've been kind of intermittently tweeting from that account during the tour. Uh, the Tour de France does take place during work hours, so we apologize for uh, not being present much of the time, but you know we do what we can. Uh, and you can catch me on Twitter at Grolby and Matteo. How about you? At underscore Matteo. That is where I do my yammering during the workday. Oh, yeah. In the evening as well, a little bit, but mostly during the workday. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> All right. And with that, uh, keep your eye on the podcast feed. Uh, remember, you can find all of our episodes for free at standarddouble.com slash WHBP. And, you know, leave us a review on iTunes, uh, listen to the back issues, and get in touch with us and tell us if you think we're being silly. And good, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and good night. Good night. Thanks. Rolling. Rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them doggies rolling. <laughs> Though the streams are swollen. <laughs> WHBP <on>. deep cuts. <laughs> that is a deep cut. <laughs> you know, the worst part is my reference. My reference to Rawhide is actually a reference to the Blues Brothers. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs>